Good morning, church. Look to the person to the left and right of you. Tell them good morning. Didn't sound very motivated on that second one. It's like, yeah, good morning. I'm just doing it because he told me to. Uh, church, so good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. We are looking at verses 13 and 14 as we continue our walk through the Sermon on the Mount. As you turn there, I just want you to think about this. Life is filled with decisions. You made a decision to come to church today. How's it working out so far? Time will tell. Hopefully it's a good decision. But uh, every day we make hundreds of decisions. Small decisions. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What path are we going to take to work? But every day we also make great decisions. What are we going to value? Where are we going to invest our time? How do we want to raise our children? How am I going to treat my wife? How am I going to treat my husband? Every day we make small decisions and great decisions. The text that we're going to look at this morning is going to lead us to make a decision. So over the last several months, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been teaching his disciples the values and characteristics of those within the kingdom of God. But in verse 13, where we're going to start, most commentators believe is where the shift takes place in the text. Jesus is going to conclude his lectures. And in verse 13, he is going to call for a response. He's going to say, it's now time. You've heard what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like for those within it, what their ethic is supposed to be. But now you must make a decision. Which way will you choose? Will you choose to go down the path that God has intended? Or will you choose to go another way? He's telling his disciples and he's telling us this morning that there are only two ways. There is a broad way. There is a narrow way. There's a path that leads to life. And there is a path that leads to destruction. And he asks his disciples, what path will you choose? Throughout the Bible, you will find that God is always bringing his people to a point of decision. I just wanna take a few minutes just to look at some examples of how God brings his people to a point of decision. To say, hey, there's a path that leads to life. There's a path that leads to flourishing and there is a path that leads to destruction and you must choose one. Consider with me Adam and Eve. They're placed 
in the Garden of Eden. And God tells him some very clear instructions. You, Adam and Eve, may surely eat of every tree that is in, of, that is in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve, man, here is this beautiful garden and within it, may you have access to every tree to partake of within this garden, except for this one, this tree of knowledge and good and evil. And the day that you do, it will lead to death, a point of decision. In the book of Deuteronomy, the people of God were encamped just east of the Jordan River. It had been almost 40 years since the Israelites had exited Egypt. And Moses has gathered all the people and he's laying out the law of God to the people of Israel for a second time. And listen to what he tells them. This is Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. Moses tells them, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. He says in verse 19 of chapter 30, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Moses, being such a fatherly figure, leading the people of Israel, imagine him there just as a father saying, you have a decision to make. There's a path that leads to life that is following God's command, God's ways. Or you can choose to go your own path. We see a similar point of decision with Joshua. Joshua had led the people of God through numerous conquests. And towards the end of his life, Joshua, just like Moses did, he gathers all the people together in Shechem. This is Joshua 24, 15. And he tells them this. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You must make a decision. What will you choose? Joshua would die years would go by and the people of Israel would rebel against God. They would choose the other way. They would choose the way that leads to destruction. And God in his grace would raise up a prophet by the name of Elijah. This has to be one of the, the best 
stories. Like if there was a place in the Bible that I wish I could just go and see this scene, it was this one. It was a showdown between Elijah, the prophet of God on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 250 of them. Whose God could call down fire from heaven? That is the scene. I want that in a movie, like gladiator style. And the same thing occurs. Elijah, he, he draws the people together. This is 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and he said this, how long will you waver between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You must make a decision. Jesus does the same thing, brings us to a point of decision. In Matthew 4.19, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he sees two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and they are casting their net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the scripture says that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus brings us to a point of decision. In John chapter six, Jesus was teaching some hard truths. And the Bible says that after this, many of the disciples no longer wanted, they walked away from him. This teaching is just too hard. And there was a moment where Jesus, he gathered his disciples in John 6, and he asked them, do you want to go away as well? Look at the crowds that have been following me. They're growing less and less because this teaching is too hard. Do you want to go away as well? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Throughout the Bible, we see this. God brings his people to a point of decision. And this is what is occurring in our Passage this morning, Matthew 7, verse 13. Which way will you follow? Which way will you go? Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, thank you for moments 
that we have every Sunday morning to get to gather as a church family. Lord, how sweet it was just to get to sit among the congregation and to, to, hear, to hear their voices. And Lord, I pray now as we look at your word, would you speak to us, God? Would you open our eyes? Would you cut us to the heart? Would you give us understanding, we pray, in the name of Jesus. His people said, church, this morning, I want us to look at two gates, two ways, and two destinations. Two gates, two ways, and two destinations. Jesus begins by articulating this picture of gates. There is a narrow gate and there is a broad gate. And every person must enter through one of the gates. The narrow gate, it leads to life. And the wide gate, it leads to destruction. The narrow gate will lead to heaven, to have eternal life with the Father. But the wide gate, just the other option, it leads to eternal judgment. He says that it leads to destruction. And here in this text, Jesus is giving an invitation in the form of a command, it, the, the language is, you must enter, he says. Enter through the narrow gate. And we have to say this just up front. Praise God that there is even an invitation. Praise God that God has made a way that we can have life. There is an option for us because we just deserved death our sin has separated us from God. We were enemies of God. And yet God in his grace makes a way for us. He gives us an invitation. It's an invitation that is free to us, but it cost Christ greatly that we could have access to the Father through the blood of his sacrifice. There are many onlookers the day that Jesus was preaching this Sermon on the Mount, we always must remember that Jesus is talking to his disciples, but there are great crowds that are looking in. And in some way, in the same way in the Christian life, there are many onlookers. There are many who watch others walk through the gate. And Jesus is pleading, you must enter through the right gate. Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is narrow because you can only come in through faith in Christ. We live in a day where we hear lots of statements that sound like this. Your truth is your truth. Raise your hand if you ever heard that. Your truth, it's your truth. We hear statements like this, there are many roads 
that lead to heaven. Have we heard that before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. And Jesus, Jesus' teaching is so clear. We read in, in John 14, 6, Jesus says it so plainly, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way is narrow. We only enter through faith in Christ. You want access to the Father. Jesus says you can only come through me. Jesus uses so much clear language in John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus says it this way, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There is one way to the Father. There is no other way to heaven but through faith. Faith in Christ. Christ alone grants us access, but it's through the narrow gate. See, the narrow gate it re requires faith in Christ, but it must also require repentance, a turning from sin. This week, I was trying to imagine what, what is the narrow gate? What does it look like? What would be comparable for us in our day? And the example that, that came to mind is that of a turnstile when you come to a ballpark or a theme park. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have your ticket, and then you gotta kinda fit into this thing. There's a little bar there, and you kinda walk through. That's what I'm imagining, this narrow gate. There's a, there's a massive crowd that is trying to enter the ballpark or the theme park, and that's the image that's happening. There is this massive crowd. But you can only go one at a time through this narrow way. See, th this is a significant point. We come through the narrow gate alone. You don't come in through the narrow gate with a group of people. You come in through the narrow gate as an individual. It's not the, the faith of our parents that allows us access through the narrow gate. Well, you have this great legacy of, of Christians that have gone before you. And so do I just kind of get to be grouped in? That's not how it works. Well, you're part of a church group and you don't enter the narrow gate as a group. But we enter as individuals. We come in alone, every single one of us. We must make the decision on our own. Will we enter the narrow gate? That is through faith in Christ. Jesus gives these pictures 
of two gates, a narrow gate and a broad gate. But then he speaks of two ways. Let's look at the text again. Look at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and, say it with me, the way. The way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The broad gate leads to the broad way. And the narrow gate leads to the narrow way. See, the, the broad way, church, is the way of the world. The, the broad way says this, do whatever your heart desires. The broad way makes many promises. It promises joy. It promises fulfillment. And listen to how Jesus describes it. The broad way is easy. It is comfortable. And you know what, guys? The broad way, it looks good. It is the popular way. Everybody wants to be on the Broadway. It is a less restrictive way. It's the path that looks the most attractive. On the road of the Broadway, there are fewer rules. It's a very inclusive road. You live how, however you want to live on the Broadway. Do whatever you want, do whatever feels right. If the Broadway had a motto, the motto would probably be, probably be something like this. Listen to your heart. Hey, on the Broadway, do whatever your heart desires. It's your truth. Have it your way. Do whatever feels good. We're on the Broadway. And those that follow their heart totally ignore what God's word says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Have you ever thought that before? Maybe you've heard it. Man, listen to your heart. Do what your heart says. And the Bible says, don't do that. 
Listen to your heart. Are you crazy? The heart is a liar. It is deceitful. And the prophet Jeremiah says, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, the Broadway, it promises comfort and ease and, and do what you want. But the Broadway is actually so deceitful. Because it is a trap. Because the Broadway leads to judgment. The Broadway leads to destruction. As I've been pouring over these verses this week, there's something that has stood out to me. And it, it's the subtle distinction that Jesus makes between the gate and the way. It's subtle, but there is a distinction. He uses different words to describe them. Follow me, please. A gate is something that you enter through, but a way is something that you journey on. A gate, we pass through it, but a way is something that we make strides on. There are many in Christian circles that would understand their salvation as simply a moment that occurred. I said a prayer and I'm saved. But now their, their journey of life, they live it however they want it. Some years ago, I was talking with an older woman at my church. She was in her 80s. She called me over and she said, asked Jonathan, would you pray for my son? She was begins to tell me that, that he stopped going to church decades ago. And he's basically been living as he's the king of his life. Doesn't show any evidence of Christian fruitfulness. Has no desire to live in a Christ-like way. Hasn't been in a church in decades. And she's asking me to pray for him. But then she says this, and it broke my heart. She says, but you know what, Jonathan? I know that he's saved. Because I remember when he was eight years old, we went to vacation Bible school. And little Johnny, he came to the front. And I remember hearing him say the sinner's prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Will you please forgive me for my sins? 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for loving me. Amen. And she says, Jonathan, I know he's saved because I, I heard him say the prayer. And it broke my heart. Because we, we have to be careful with using that kind of language that your confidence is in this prayer that you said years ago, but your life looks nothing like it now. Because I can, I can say any words, but if my words have not connected to a true heart posture, where I, I, deep in my heart, I can actually say, oh God, have a mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, I cling to the cross. See, Jesus makes a distinction. There is a gate. There is a narrow way, and, and Jesus is that gate. You must enter through the narrow way by faith in Christ. But then he also says, but the way is narrow. Man, you, you came to faith on whatever day. I don't know if it was a, a moment. I don't know. In heaven, I'll figure out how it works. If it was a moment or if it was over time, I don't know. It's a mystery. But I, I treasure Christ today. That's all I know. But Jesus is saying it's not just the narrow gate, but it is a narrow way of life. Jesus is inviting his disciples to choose the narrow way. The narrow way is the, the way of the godly. And notice how he articulates it, church. He says the way is, what does it say in your Bible? The way is what? Say it again louder. Hard. It's the way of self-denial. It's the way of dying to self. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Our salvation, although it is a narrow gate, is also a narrow way where daily we make decisions to walk along that path. See, there's a kind of religion that is easy and comfortable. J.I. Packer wrote a book called Hot Tub Christianity. It's like a jacuzzi. It's a kind of Christianity that is comfortable. Isn't this great? Warm and bubbly. It requires no repentance. 
There's no conviction of sin. In that jacuzzi, that hot tub Christianity, live how you want. Do what's best for you. Have it your way. And that is a false Christianity. Because Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone come after me, pick up your cross. Die to yourself. Follow me. We run out of time. But Jesus closes that these two paths lead to two different places. One leads to life. The narrow way through Christ, through faith, by his grace. It leads to life. It leads to heaven. Eternal life with the Father. But the broad way, the easy way, it leads to destruction. You know, hell is not a topic that we talk about enough. But Jesus seemed to care about it deeply. It's after death there is judgment. And those who have chosen the broad way, the easy way, the way that says I'm the king of my own life, that is the way that leads to eternal judgment to a place called hell. And I picture Jesus talking to his disciples and he's pleading with them, enter through the narrow way. Enter, pass through the narrow, the narrow road because it leads to life. But there is another path. It looks easy, it looks comfortable, but in the end, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. And he brings them to a point of decision. What will you decide? And church, we must ask ourselves the same question. Hey, successful business leader. Hey, successful businessman. What road will you choose? The narrow way or the broad way? Hey, mom and dad, what road will you choose? Grandma and grandpa in the room, what road will you choose? All the little ones in the room, Jesus asks us, what road will we choose? Oh, would we enter through the narrow gate, through faith in Christ? Will you bow your heads with me? I have decided 
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, Father, would you speak to us today? Your word is so clear. There are two paths. There's a path that leads to life, and there's a path that leads to death. And oh God, I pray you would confront us this morning by your word. Would your spirit speak to us today? Confront us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.